0: That's right, Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasinocom No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. 2, 1
1: When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me, Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone. Here, Please. Welcome in to episode 6.77 for the podcast of Super America, the Tour Sports Podcast presented by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and for the third time in three days, I hope you're ready for a new episode of the AeroTour Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday. It's Champ Week. This is the day where most of the big tournaments all get underway. The SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, the Eight, a- on and on and on, they're all playing today, and it's only going to ramp up into the weekend. If you miss Monday's show, we recapped a lot of stuff. Tuesday, we hit on a little bit of that Chris Beard old Miss news before previewing the ACC, the Big East, and the Pac-12. Today, a little bit of a faster-paced, quick-hitting show. We are going to preview the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, a little bit on the Mountain West, and we will get out of here. Faster show today, fun show today, but make sure you're subscribed. We got a lot of good stuff coming, and this will be a quicker show, but it'll be a fun show hitting on the conferences that we have not hit on. Before we get started, I do have one major announcement, and that is this. It's March, as you all know, and it's time to start thinking about brackets. We're going to have a bracket in our hands by Sunday, and for the third straight year, I'm working with Bracket Fanatics. I also worked with them for the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge in the fall. They're back for March Madness, and we are giving out $1,000 in total prizes to multiple winners of the Aaron Torres pod. That is right, right—a $1,000 prize pool for the Bracket Fanatics Challenge. That's all you got to do. You want to be part, go to bracketfanatics.com. Once you're there, click the Join Bracket tab. You can do one of two things at that point. One, you'll see my fancy little logo. If you just click on that logo, it means that you are automatically in, and there you can sign up. You can also search for the bracket. The bracket is named Torres, and I got a great news for you as well. If you have been part of previous Aaron Torres pod bracket challenges, you don't need to sign up again. You don't need to do it over. You just log in and you're automatically in Sunday. The bracket will come out. You go right in there. You fill out your little bracket and you win a bunch of money courtesy of Aaron Torres and bracket phonetics. Here's the other thing to remember about bracket phonetics as well, which I want to make sure that you guys and girls all remember. If you are starting your own bracket You can also use Bracket Fanatics. It is the best site that you can use to do it. Here's why. One, you can do a standard free-to-enter pool just like mine. Doesn't cost anything to enter. You log in. You do whatever. You can do your own free pool on Bracket Fanatics. But here's the cool part. If you do have a pay pool, rather than going around having to collect everybody's money, you got to track down Doris from accounting every year. She never gives you her cash. You can just go to BracketFanatics.com, start your pool. Everybody puts in the money there, and then from there, you can distribute funds straight from there. No chasing money, no looking around, no hiding. people hiding in the office. That's not how it works. Go to BracketFanatics.com, start your own pool. Everybody pays there. All the payouts get done there. You don't touch a single dollar. That is the best part about Bracket Fanatics. On top of the other best part, which is that they are sponsoring the Aaron Torres Pod Pick'Em Challenge Again, go to bracketfanatics.com, join bracket, bracket name Torres. Also, if you see my logo, just click that and you will be in our bracket. If you've been entering previously, you are automatically entered. And on Sunday, we will all fill out our brackets together. Woo! Great show. great start to the show. Now let's get to the rest of the conference tournaments that I did not hit on yesterday, the ACC, the Big Ten. Yesterday I hit on the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big East, okay? And so that leaves three power conferences left in college basketball, a couple other ones, and so I forgot to say it. What did I forget to say? How about this? Let's get to the topic of the day. The topic of the day, I just told you, we're going to preview some conference tournaments. Yesterday, if you missed the show, we did the Big East, we did the ACC, we did the Pac-12, as I just told you. Today we'll get into the other ones, and I'll tell you this, you know where I want to start? I want to start with one of the most intriguing conference tournaments, and one that I think is absolutely positively wide open. I am, of course, talking about the SEC. It just means more there, and it just means more teams that can win the championship in Nashville this week. For people who have yet to see the bracket, this is basically how it lines up in the SEC. The number one seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. The number two seed is actually the Texas A&M Aggies. The number three seed, the much maligned Kentucky Wildcats from good to bad to this to that. You never know what you're going to get from Kentucky and John Calipari, but they have earned the three seed. And then how about this? Little shout-out to Dennis Gates and the Missouri Tigers. I was actually surprised. Dennis Gates did not win SEC Coach of the Year. No disrespect to Buzz Williams or Jerry Stackhouse who split the award. I would have given it to Dennis Gates. But Missouri is the four. They get the double bye into uh, into the Friday quarterfinals. And prior to the qu- qu- Friday quarterfinals, we have a couple super marquee matchups, right? We have an 8-9 game with Mississippi State and Florida. We have a 7-10 game with Auburn and Arkansas. And, of course, we also have Vanderbilt in the sixth spot, a very interesting team entering championship week. I should mention, by the way, in the Betfred Sportsbook, here's how it's laid out. Alabama is the favorite at plus 160. It's actually Kentucky and Tennessee at plus 380 apiece that are deemed the co-second teams there. Then Texas A&M at plus 550. Then Arkansas at plus 900 now in terms of storylines i think there's a few obvious ones first off alabama and we'll get into how they're playing right now but they are very much in pursuit of a number one seed in the 2022 ncaa tournament after the loss to texas a&m on saturday i don't think most people really deem them to be the number one overall seed in this tournament but the hunch is that if alabama does what they need to do which is probably at minimum – first of all, you got to beat Mississippi State in the quarters. I think if you make the conference championship game, which would require probably beating Missouri or Tennessee in the second round in the semis, Alabama probably gets the number one seed. If not, there's a possibility they fall down. I still think it kind of matters what happens everywhere else. What does Purdue do in the Big Ten? What does UCLA do in the Pac-12? Jalen Clark, by the way, Mick Cronin is not giving us an update on him. My hunch is that they're trying to hide some stuff so the the seeds don't end up coming out. But one, the most interesting thing to me is Alabama. And then two, it's obviously the bubble in the SEC. Now, the SEC bubble isn't as fluid as some other conferences. In my opinion, you really have about six teams that are pretty comfortably in. Alabama is absolutely in. Texas A&M is absolutely in Tennessee is absolutely in Kentucky is absolutely in and again the Missouri Tigers are absolutely in Arkansas I believe is also absolutely in now they're not playing well two and five since Nick Smith Jr. came back for the thousandth time don't blame Nick Smith Jr. for coming back but that's just the reality of the situation but the net rankings love them the numbers love them the computers love them I think they're okay even if they lose to Auburn and credit to Auburn, because had they lost on Saturday to Tennessee, my hunch is they're probably having to win the opening round game to solidify an NCAA tournament berth. They beat Tennessee. It feels pretty good that they are probably safely in the field. And so because of that, what the bubble picture really comes down to, in my opinion, is two teams in the SEC. The first is the Mississippi State Bulldogs. My boy, Chris Jans? I think he is an excellent head coach. Weird year for them. We've talked about them. They started 10-11-0, struggled at the start of SEC play, played really well down the stretch, picked up a couple nice wins. They won at Arkansas. They beat Texas A&M at home. And it felt like they had essentially punched their ticket. Then on the final day of the regular season, they lose at Vanderbilt. They enter this, this tournament in Nashville very much on the bubble. They open up against a banged-up Florida team in the 8-9 game. Bottom line, Mississippi State absolutely needs to win that game. And to feel really good about making the field of 68, my hunch is they got to beat Alabama in the quarterfinal as well. Good news for Mississippi State. They actually played Alabama tough earlier this year in their second meeting in Coleman Coliseum. The second team that's really interesting is Vanderbilt. Now, depending on what bracketology you look at, some people say Vandy's kind of on the right side. Some people say they need to, you know, for the reality on Vanderbilt is this. Most likely, they played really well down the stretch. They won their final three. That included that win at Rupp Arena. That included a win at Mississippi State. Also, they won seven of their final eight, which included a win over Auburn, a win over Tennessee. That was the buzzer beater. It still feels like there's a little bit of work to do. Vanderbilt in the six seed spot. They are 18 and 13 entering this tournament. My hunch is that for Vanderbilt, they've got to go ahead and certainly win their opener. They would play the winner of Georgia and LSU. But I also believe that they probably will have to also beat Kentucky in the second round to feel really good about an NCAA tournament berth. Not saying it will happen, but those are kind of the bubble situations. Mississippi State, if they win one, they probably are okay, but definitely want to win the second one. I think Vandy has to win two, which would involve beating Kentucky in the quarterfinals on Friday. Now, in terms of my pick, I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here because as I said in the Betfred Sportsbook, Alabama's the favorite at plus 160. Kentucky is the favorite, uh, is the the second favorite at plus 380, tied with Tennessee. I'm actually going to pick Texas A&M, the Fighting Aggies, to win the SEC tournament. And I know what some of you are going to say, Torres, you're crazy, but hear me out. One, the number one seed Alabama is not playing well right now. Okay, they're not playing poorly, but we all know the situation since all the Brandon Miller stuff went down, and we don't have to talk about the Brandon Miller element of this. But they have gone 3 and 1. But they needed overtime to beat a bad South Carolina team. They needed overtime to beat Auburn at home and then they lost to Texas A&M. They're not playing great Alabama. I could see them losing as early as the quarterfinals to Mississippi State. Even then, you're going to have a tough Missouri, a tough Tennessee team in the semis before you get to a final. The number 3 seed, so Texas A&M is the number 2 seed, the number 3 seed is Kentucky. We just don't know what we're getting from Kentucky. We they had three marquee players did not practice on Monday. Casein Wallace didn't practice. Uh, Severe Wheeler, who obviously is not expected back, and C.J. Frederick didn't practice. And so I get that there's plenty of time before Kentucky actually takes the court late Friday. But to ask Casein Walls to play three games in three days when he's not even practicing on Monday is not a very good sign. Tennessee obviously lost uh, Zakai Ziegler a few days ago. And so when you look at this bracket, I just think Texas A&M is the best bet. They're going to face either Arkansas or Auburn. And I think it's probably going to be Auburn. You know, Arkansas is the long shot. Arkansas is the best bet long shot that you can have at plus 900. But I don't know that they're going to put it together for four days. So you're going to play Arkansas or Auburn if you're Texas A&M. You already beat both of those teams. Then in the semis, you're either going to get a banged up Kentucky team or Vanderbilt. And then in the final, you could potentially get an Alabama team that you've already beat. My official bet, Fred, pick is Texas A&M, plus 550 to win this SEC tournament. To me, they just feel like the right team. The team, they've been so consistent all year. Texas A&M really hasn't played a bad game in league play all year. I like the Aggies to cut down the nets in Nashville. Let's keep it going. By the way, Texas A&M was your runner-up last year. Don't forget that. Let's keep it going. Let's keep the party going, Um, and we will go now to the Big Ten. Big Ten, very interesting bracket, and the thing about the Big Ten, and we're going to get into all of this in a minute, the Big Ten, I think you can argue, has by far the most intriguing bubble of anybody in college basketball, but let's start with, first of all, just the setup, okay? In Chicago, top four seeds get the double buy into Friday, much like the SEC, and those top four seeds, Purdue, which is the favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook at plus 180. Northwestern, of all teams, is actually the two seed. They're plus 1,000. Indiana, second in the Betfred Sportsbook as the three seed. They are plus 500. Michigan State, number four. the At plus 600, they are the number four seed. And when you look at this event, a couple things stand out. One, much like the SEC. Purdue is fighting for a number one seed. Now, Purdue, it's kind of the same as Alabama, but I think their situation is more dire. To me, they certainly, I would think, have to make the conference championship game. You got to win your quarterfinal. You got to win your semifinal to feel really good about a number one seed. And again, it depends on what happens everywhere else. Now, if UCLA loses early without Jalen Clark, if Alabama were to lose early, if Houston were to take some abysmal loss, then you reconsider. But for Purdue, it feels like you probably gotta win at least two games here to get a number one seed to feel good about getting a number one seed, to feel great about getting a number one seed. Beyond that, I think there's six teams overall. I'm not going to go through seeding for everybody, obviously, but six teams overall, actually seven, I take that back, that to me are very comfortably in the field. If they lose their opener, they're still going to the NCAA tournament. Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan State, the top four seeds as well as Iowa, Maryland, and Illinois. Those are seven that if they lose their first game, they're going. Where it gets interesting, though, is the bubble picture in the Big Ten where there are four, count them four, teams that have work to do in Chicago this week to get in. Wisconsin, Michigan, Rutgers, and finally Penn State. The first one we'll discuss is actually one that is playing tonight. So you know the Big Ten is at very least deep. And they're certainly interesting when you have a team that is on the bubble that is playing in the basically the play-in game on Wednesday. That is the Wisconsin Badgers. And to me, Wisconsin is very much on even the fringes of being in the NCAA tournament conversation right now this second. This is not a very good team. And on top of the fact that they're not a very good team, They're not playing very well either. That certainly doesn't help. You want a crazy stat on Wisconsin? Wisconsin hasn't won back-to-back games in the calendar year of 2023. The last time they won back-to-back games was their final game of the 2020 calendar year against Western Michigan, and then they followed it up with a win against Mediocre Minnesota, who's the worst team in this conference And who they're playing on. Uh, Actually, I take that back. They're playing uh, Ohio State in their opener. Cannot lose this game to Ohio State or your season's done. Wisconsin is 17-13 and overall right now. If Wisconsin were to win, if Wisconsin were to win, they would then face Iowa. It feels like Wisconsin, at a minimum, and they did just beat Iowa a few weeks ago. So that's the good news. It feels like at a minimum, Wisconsin needs to win two and then probably three. Because if even if you go ahead and beat Iowa, then you still are in a situation where you would have to play Michigan State. A win against Ohio State does nothing for you. They're terrible. A win over Iowa is good, but is it good enough? You probably have to win three games if you're Wisconsin to feel good about getting an at-large. Again, they open tonight, Wednesday against Ohio State, and then from there, they would play Iowa. Got to win those two. From a bubble perspective, you could argue the most intriguing game, not only in the Big Ten tournament, but in all of college basketball, is the 8-9 game at the Big Ten tournament. And it's interesting, because I remember last year, the 8-9 game was Michigan and Indiana, and that was very much a play-in game. If Indiana had lost that game, they would not have made the NCAA tournament. They end up winning it and beating Illinois the next day. But this year, Michigan is facing Rutgers. Neither team is playing well. Neither team has a very good record. And both teams, it feels like if they were to lose, it, it, whoever loses this game is done. Right now, Michigan is 17 and 14 overall, 11 and 9 in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, 17 and 13, not, or excuse me, Rutgers, 18 and 13, 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. First off, my personal opinion, I don't think either of them should even be on the bubble. I'd rather see the, you know, some of these conference champions that aren't winning their conference get in than a 17 and 14 Michigan team. But the computers love the big 10. We've talked about it. I hate how the the big 10 has cooked the books with the computers in the net, but Rutgers plays Michigan in that eight, nine game. And whoever wins that game is eliminated from the bubble. I would argue that certainly if it's Michigan, They would have to win the next game. Whoever wins this game will play Purdue in the quarterfinals on Friday. I would argue you probably have to win the first game in the quarterfinals as well to get a serious consideration for an at-large if you're Michigan. For Rutgers, one win and you feel okay, but they're another one. You probably want to win two to feel safe. The final bubble team in the Big Ten, that's worth noting. It is your Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State coming off two crazy wild back-to-back wins. Now they enter this tournament as the number 10 seed overall. They open with Illinois. Now, depending on whose bracketology you trust the most, if they were to lose to Illinois, the problem, see the thing with the Illinois game is it's not a bad loss if they were to take it. So I certainly think if you're Penn State, you probably want to win that game. I'm not sold if you don't win it, you're out. But I do believe if you do win it, you're in. So that's the situation on the bubble. Wisconsin, they need a minimum of two, probably three. Rutgers and Michigan is a play-in game. The loser there is out. The winner probably needs to beat Purdue to feel really good about being in. And then Penn State, probably one win and you're in. And even if they lose, my hunch is they'd go to that first four Uh, and and be an 11 seed more so than they would be out altogether. Finally, in terms of my picks, so the bracket is, again, uh, Purdue's the one seed, Northwestern's the two, Indiana's the three, Michigan State is the four, and like the SEC, I'm going to go with a little bit of a curveball. I'm going to take Michigan State at plus 600 to win this thing. From the Purdue perspective, listen, I have been out on Purdue all year long. Everybody knows that. On top of that, I saw this, and this was kind of a crazy stat as far as I was concerned. You know, Matt Painter, my boy, I'm the only person in America that ever criticizes him for anything. You understand that that guy has won one Big Ten tournament in his entire career? One Big Ten tournament. He's been there since, like, 2005. So, you know, we, we throw flowers on my, you know at Matt Painter's feet. It's like, you know, one Elite Eight no final fours one big Ten tournament title like well, what do we even do it here anyway I don't know that I trust them to win three games in three days I, I I don't think they're built they didn't beat the best teams in the conference during the regular season but regardless bottom line they have not won the big Ten tournament since 2009 and on the other side of the bracket I don't trust Northwestern at all and I don't know that I trust Indiana to put it together for three days straight like I love Indiana. Everybody knows my boy, Mike Effin Woodson. Love me some Indiana. At the same time, though, I watch them and it just feels like they are one of the more inconsistent teams in all of college basketball. It just feels like when you look at them and they've been awesome all year, but look at their resume recently. Follow up that big win against Purdue with a no show against Iowa last week. Follow up a big win at against Illinois at home getting blown out at Michigan State. In their last seven, they are 4-3 and overall. Now, some really good wins, but just some inconsistent losses. Don't trust Indiana. I do trust Michigan State. As I just said, Michigan State has beaten Indiana. Michigan State probably should have beaten uh, Purdue earlier in this year in East Lansing. Michigan State at plus 600. That is my official Betfred pick. I'll give you one other team to watch. I don't think they're going too far. Nebraska's kind of playing well right now. Fred Hoyberg, you forgot about him, didn't you? Well, Nebraska coming into this one has quietly won. How about this? They have won five of their last six. They beat Iowa on the road the other day. They beat Maryland. They won at Rutgers. They beat Wisconsin. They're probably like the fifth or sixth best team in this league right now, the way that they're playing. Now, they opened tonight against Minnesota and then would potentially play an intriguing game against Maryland where I could see them pulling off the upset just keep an eye on nebraska i wouldn't bet them they're not winning five games in five days but they're a team worth keeping an eye on i'll tell you what we're gonna take a quick break when i come back i do want to talk a little bit about the big 12 big 12 is a wild wild one We're gonna talk big 12 we'll talk a little mountain west we'll take a quick break we'll be right back
0: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. All right,
1: we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story, started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody. And here is what they are doing for listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast. Okay, so what you got to do? Bet 50 on any game and new users. How about this? Get up to a thousand dollars in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, $100, $200, whatever. You end up losing it they're gonna insure you for that game so up to five weeks up to two hundred dollars plus a hundred eleven dollars for signing up for betfred today if you're gonna want to do it download the betfred sportsbook app tell them torres sent you thank you to our presenting sponsor the betfred sportsbook
0: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Final segment of the show. So good to be back. We're going to wrap on these conference championship previews. And I saved the Big 12 for last. Mostly because I can't really figure out who the heck's going to win this thing. So the Big 12, first off, it's kind of worth noting. This is the final year of the 10-team Big 12. Remember, next year we'll have a 14-team Big 12 as Central Florida, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati join. And Texas and Oklahoma are still in. Then Texas and Oklahoma leave, and in theory, it will be a twelve-team league. Now we'll see if they add some Pac-12 schools, somebody else, the the, the corner schools, whatever. But this is the last year of this ten-team format in Kansas City, and it should be a good one. Kansas is the number one seed and the overwhelming favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. Uh, Kansas right now in the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve, excuse me, standings. They are plus two twenty. Texas is the number two seed at plus three hundred. How about this? TCU as the sixth seed at plus 500, Baylor at plus 550, Kansas State at plus 850. In terms of the bracket, Kansas is the number one seed. They get a bye. They will play the winner of Texas Tech in West Virginia. On the other side, Texas is the number two seed. They will get a bye. They will play the winner of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Then how about this? In the 4-5 game, we get a Baylor-Iowa State game that we just had this weekend. And then in this 3-6 game, maybe the most intriguing game of this entire week, as TCU takes on Kansas State in that 3-6 game. So that was the entire bracket. Now let's go storyline by storyline. First off, Kansas number one seed. They're in. It's they're going to be a number one seed no matter what. They could lose in the opener to West Virginia or to Texas Tech, and they will still be a number one seed. And two, most of the, 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 the bubble picture is set. In total, Of the 10 Big Ten, Big 12 teams, we have, I believe, pretty much seven that are in with an eighth that can play their way in. Kansas is a lock. Texas is a lock. TCU is a lock. Baylor is a lock. Kansas State is a lock. Iowa State is a lock. Now, where it gets interesting is at this point, it feels like there's only two teams that have eliminated themselves, Texas Tech and Oklahoma. West Virginia and Oklahoma State, probably a little bit on the bubble. West Virginia opens up against Texas Tech in the first game of this tournament. Again, the winner plays Kansas. My hunch is West Virginia probably is already in the tournament. They had a very nice week last week. They took care of business against Iowa State and then at home against Kansas State. So West Virginia, I think even if they were to lose their opener, is probably in. With that said, I don't think you want to tempt the fate of the, the the bracket gods of the Joe Lenardi gods. So West Virginia probably in wants to win one. And then Oklahoma state who plays Oklahoma in the seven 10 game, Oklahoma state definitely needs to not lose that one. And Oklahoma state might need a second win. Their opener is against Texas. Now, in terms of how I think the bracket's going to shake out, I told you I saved this one for last because I have absolutely no idea. In the top half, as I said, Kansas will play West Virginia. Remember, West Virginia just a few weeks ago played at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and they they played Kansas at home and easily could have won that game. As a matter of fact, you go back to the beginning of the season, Kansas beat uh, uh, West Virginia at home, but again, the second time that they played, it was a four-point win for Kansas. Wouldn't shock me if Kansas loses there. They probably advance. That Iowa State-Baylor game is very intriguing in the 4-5. Baylor, something just doesn't quite feel right with them. They got really hot. Then they lost three of their last five. Part of it was the schedule just got tougher, but they lost a weird game at I against Iowa State at home where they weren't even competitive. Now they play Iowa State again, have no idea what to make of that game. Winner plays Kansas. I like Kansas to come out of that side of the bracket. And then the other side, like I said, two seed is Texas. Texas really, I, I know they just beat Kansas. So can you say they beat Kansas, but they're not playing well, but overall, they have lost three of their last six Texas as the number two seed. And my hunch is whoever wins that three, six game, Kansas state and TCU is going to advance to the champ is going to advance past Texas to the championship game for the sake of craps and giggles. I will say that TCU beats Kansas state. And then they beat Texas, a team that they just beat a few days ago. And what the heck, let's go with TCU to win the Big 12 Conference Tournament. Now, part of it, could it be that I picked TCU in the preseason to make the Final Four, and I'm trying to salvage that bet if I can? Absolutely. But TCU, as I mentioned, despite being the sixth seed, is third in the odds behind only Kansas and only Texas. TCU at plus 500. So I look at TCU. Why can't they? Mike Miles getting healthy, playing okay, and building some momentum for the NCAA tournament. Remember, this is a veteran team. I think they were largely just going through the motions during the season, trying to get healthy for this moment. A little bit of an upset. TCU at plus 500, but Kansas is probably the safe bet. I would say of all six power conferences that I previewed so far, this is the one where I, it could go. I think there are six teams that could win it. Like, would it stun me if Baylor-Iowa State, the 4-5 game, winner of that game, wins the tournament? No, not at all. Would it stun me if, West Virginia gets hot. They just beat Kansas State and Iowa State. Why can't they win the whole thing? Total crapshoot, but my pick is TCU at plus 500. All right. Finally, let's go through some odds and ends. Uh, Mountain West, a sneaky interesting one. If I was in Vegas this week, I would probably, prior, and I almost did. go. To, by the way, if you're in Vegas, go to the Sports Sportsbook at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Vegas. That's where I would have been doing shows if I could have made it. Was trying to get out, couldn't make it. Mountain West is very interesting. So San Diego State's the one seed. They are a lock to make the NCAA tournament. They they could lose their opener. They'll play the winner of Colorado State Fresno today. They're going to win that game. But even if they don't, they're in. Boise State, the number two seed, is in. They could lose to Air Force or UNLV. They're probably in. Again, Boise, you probably want to win that one. The interesting one is the number three seed, Utah, and the number four seed, Nevada. Number three seed, Utah State. I think I said Utah. Utah State, I apologize. Utah State, the number three seed. They just beat Boise at home. They're on the right side of the bubble right now. They could have a tough second round matchup with New Mexico. Remember, at one point, New Mexico was the last undefeated team in college basketball, and they were in the top 25. New Mexico is now the sixth seed. Utah State probably needs to win that game to feel good. Now again, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, But all of this bubble talk, some of it depends on what happens in other places as well. But Utah State could use a win. And then you talk about, you know, playing yourselves into a corner. The Nevada Wolfpack. My boy Steve Alford. Nevada fans were on my butt. Torres, you criticized our team. You criticized our coach. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what happened? Nevada went into the final week of the season with a painfully easy schedule. They played last place Wyoming on the road. And they played UNLV. The number seven team at home on Senior Day. To me, if they had won either of those two games, they're an NCAA tournament lock. It doesn't matter what happens in Vegas. Instead, they go zero two. Now they're going to Vegas. Now they're playing San Jose State. San Jose State isn't terrible. San Jose State. You know, San Jose State had the Mountain West Player of the Year, Amari Moore. Right down the road, Middlebrooks Academy. Shout out, Will Middlebrooks. Love that guy. Middlebrooks Academy. Cathedral High School in L.A., shout out to Amari Moore. He's the best player in the Mountain West. Now Nevada's got to go up against that guy and hope upon hope that they have a chance to win that game. If they don't win that game, they're probably not going to the NCAA tournament. It would be quietly one of the biggest collapses in the history—not in the the history— but in college basketball this year, Nevada's got to beat San Jose State. They got to beat Amari Moore and the, 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 the Spartans there at San Jose State. It'll be an interesting one. Finally, other conferences, AAC. Listen, Houston is the overwhelming favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. I haven't looked at every conference tournament, but they are about the biggest favorite at minus 310. Memphis at plus 400 is the only one that I think could even make it competitive. The A10 actually started today. Dayton at plus 140 is the favorite. VCU is actually uh, been the best team all year at plus 200. St. Louis, you know St. Louis, Travis Ford, they always got talent, plus 550. Um I think that's really it. You know, WCC kind of wrapped on Tuesday. Uh you know, by the way, Betfred I should mention. They have conference USA odds, they have Big West tournament odds. You want a Big West long shot. UC Santa Barbara plus 280. Your boy Torres didn't tell you, but he told you, go to the Betfred Sportsbook and bet that. Uh, Conference USA is kind of an interesting league. Florida Atlantic, plus 150. They're probably in the NCAA tournament even without it. UAB, last year's champ. Remember, Andy Kennedy is the head coach there at plus 240. They got a kid named Eric Gaines, who transferred from LSU, that I love. They got Jelly Walker, who I love as well. Oh, by the way, Rick Stansberry, probably coaching for his job. Western Kentucky at plus 8,000. All right. I've gone on long enough. It's time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the Air Tour Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you subscribe. I appreciate your support all week. Hope you enjoyed the three different shows this week. And as I said, we will be back on Friday. We'll be back on Friday with some kind of recap look ahead to the weekend. But that's all for today's show. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. Make all of your picks this week at Betfred Sportsbook, remember, you bet 50 on any game, upwards of $1,000 in free bets. I also want to thank Bracket Fanatics. Go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket's name Torres, but also you just click on the little tab with my logo. You're good to go. Finally, it's time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Tor Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. How about this? Shout out to JJ Redick, not because he called me an F-head a year ago. He stood up to Kendrick Perkins. For those of you who did not see this story, give me two minutes on Kendrick Perkins. I love Perk as a player, did not agree with his take last week. So this is what ended up happening. I I don't even know how this all started. So so for people who don't know, J.J. Redick blocked me. We got into an argument in in the NCAA tournament last year on Twitter. He was interviewing Kevin Durant and called me an F-head, okay? On his podcast, you can look it up. If you go JJ Reddick F-Head, you'll find it on Twitter, okay? So he called me an F-Head, whatever. Then I was proven right, correctly, by the way. And he blocked me on Twitter because I did the Torres thing and I kept reminding him every single day how right I was. Uh, As my wife says, I'm annoying as you know what and painful to argue with. With that said... This week, I guess J.J. Reddick was arguing for Nikola Jokic as MVP. Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets has won it each of the last two seasons. And Kendrick Perkins went on this weird rant. Well, I don't think it was weird. I, it, I think it was intentional. Where he basically insinuated that the only reason that Nikola Jokic was going to win a third straight MVP was because of racism. Essentially, Kendrick Perkins' argument was, in, since 1990, there's only been three guys that reach these thresholds that win the MVP. It was it, I think it was top 10 in the league in scoring. It, not in the top 10, okay? Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, Nikola Jokic. And so Kendrick Perkins did the whole thing that everybody always does. Well, I'm not telling you what they have in common, but you can figure it out. Why do I bring it up? It's because on Tuesday, J.J. Redick, I give this guy so much credit. So again, essentially, Kendrick Perkins, kind of without calling NBA MVP voters racist, called them racist. And so J.J. Redick went on first take, the most popular sports TV show in America, with Stephen A. Smith right there. And J.J. Redick said, look, I respect what you've built, Stephen A., but part of the problem that we have on this show is that we make up narratives that don't exist. And he said, Perk? The narrative you made up about the MVPs, it doesn't exist. And Perk starts yelling and screaming, I didn't make anything up. It's the truth. It's the truth. And J.J. Reddick's like, you know what you insinuated. And so let me just say, I can disagree with J.J. Reddick on college basketball. Go back and listen to some of those episodes. They were great from last March when me and Redick got into it for like three weeks straight. But at the same time, credit to him for standing up to Perk on this. He's right. Perks wrong. Racism is real. It exists. But the way we're going to solve racism isn't by making up racist things. Like it's just that's not how you solve racism. Like, like, like I see all these athletes and leagues, you know, I, I think it was the NHL. They painted end racism on the ice, if I remember correctly, during the bubble. And it's like, the way to end racism isn't to call everything racist when it's clearly not like NBA NVP voting. Anyway. Bring it up to say, shout out to J.J. Reddick. He may have called me an F-head, but he represented himself well. I give him credit. It is tough to make that statement on that show, and he did. I think it's time for me to get out of here. So shout out to Tor Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to J.J. Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro, so that I can throw you your flowers. You deserve them. I'll be back on Friday, new episode of the Aaron Torres Pod. How about J.J. Reddick? Step into the world